I'm going to think of something right now and telepathically set it out to each of you listening to this. Email me back and tell me what I was thinking. This is the sort of test Sir Oliver Lodge, a renowned English physicist, tried in 1927. That's right, mass telepathy. I'm Mark Hartman, and you're listening to The Great Mass Telepathy Experiment of 1927 on Weird Historian. On February 16th, Lodge and the Psychical Research Society worked with six scientists to conduct a telepathic experiment. They were locked in a room in the Bloomsbury area of London, with telephones cut off and windows sealed shut, and collectively projected thoughts out into the world. Each message was written down and sealed in an envelope. Dr. V.J. Woolley, secretary of the society, led the scientists in the room while Lodge sat in the offices of the British Broadcasting Company. From there, he announced the test over the radio waves. Listeners from around the world were encouraged to send in any telepathic impressions they received from the scientist. The responses would then be compared with the messages tucked away in the envelopes. The scientists were tasked with five different thought experiments for the public to receive. Number one, think of a playing card for three minutes. 2. Think of a picture. 3. Think of an object. 4. Think of another playing card. And 5. Think of another object. Lodge, acting as a true scientist, assured the world that he made allowances for chance. A newspaper report of the event quoted the listener after the experiment. We posted our answers early next morning, and all through the night the six members of the Psychical Research Society kept their lonely vigil. They were locked up somewhere in Bloomsbury until 9 o'clock next morning, so the answers could be posted before there was any possibility of any of them revealing the secrets. The most vivid impression left on the mind after this mass experiment was of the heavily weighted postman and the sacks of letters which would find their way to those Tavistock rooms before 48 hours had gone by. This vision of the busy postman was accurate. By noon the next day, 10,000 letters were delivered to Lodge in the society, and thousands more continued to pour in, to the tune of more than 25,000. The answers, as revealed from the envelopes, were the following. 1. Two of clubs, in green, on a black background. Number 2. A Japanese print with a skull and two birds, with green grass in the foreground. 3. Three sprays of lilac held out in a hand. 4. Nine of hearts in red on a black background. And 5. Wooly wearing a grotesque mask with a bowler hat. Days later, the results were published. They were less than stellar. 148 people guessed the two of clubs for the first card, while 39 guessed it for the second card that was thought. Dr. Woolley wondered if it was a delayed impression. 
four listeners described the Japanese print as a picture of a skull. One added the detail of being in a garden. Thirty described a picture of birds. Continuing Woolley's theory of delay, 687 people believe the third object was a skull, and the fifth image was also described as a skull by 148 others. One person described the third image as a lilac. However, 151 people said, quote, white flowers. The Nine of Hearts was correctly perceived by 93 people. And finally, regarding the image of Dr. Woolley in an ugly mask with a hat, the Society received 76 responses indicating amusement, 51 seeing a bowler hat, and 83 of a mask. These numbers, as reported by newspapers, were said to be below what would have been given by chance guessing. Therefore, the experimenters failed to discover any proof of mass telepathic abilities. They did, however, succeed in getting mass press coverage of their mission. Lodge was not dissuaded. Months later in September, he continued his pursuit and pleaded with the Science Congress to no longer ignore psychic research. In this next story, we're going from telepathy to a man who claimed to have x ray vision. If you were a kid reading comic books in the mid 20th century, chances are you saw ads in every issue selling x ray vision glasses. If they worked, you could have been like Kuda Bucks, known as the man with x ray eyes. An Indian, Cuda Books, claims to have X ray eyes. And we bring you exclusive pictures of a searching test made before a committee of doctors and newspaper men. The eyes of the seer, or rather the can't seer, are covered with lumps of dough, cotton wool, and surgical bandage. And to make sure that whatever light remains won't be too strong on Cuda Books' eyes, a couple of towels are tied round his head. Bucks, a Pakistani magician born in 1905. Mystified many with his ability to seemingly have eyeless sight in the mid 1930s. He also walked on hot coals, allowed himself to be buried alive for up to three hours, and could stop his heart and pulse on command. But it was his x ray vision that was of special interest to many who'd been studying such possibilities at the time, including French writer Jules Romains. Psychic researcher Harry Price described Romains' beliefs in his book, Confessions of a Ghost Hunter. As somnambulistic subjects can apparently guide themselves with remarkable ease, with their eyes closed or even bandaged, they may acquire a prodigious delicacy of sensation and know how to make use of a thousand signs, which a man in a waking state passes by without notice. Their hearing, touch, and smell undergo hyperesthetic change and manage sometimes to take the place of sight. Bucks demonstrated his talents by blindfolding himself with surgical bandages, tape, cotton wool, a mask, And dough covering his eye sockets. His face was completely covered, except for his nose. He then proceeded to read anything put in front of him. The man with the x ray eyes even demonstrated his skills by riding a bicycle through the busy streets of London with his blindfolding method in place. In 1935, he performed several tests for Price and other researchers at the University of London Council for Psychical Investigation. Price was allowed to select any book off of a shelf and flip to any page. I put my finger on a paragraph, 
Price wrote, and asked him to read it aloud. This he did at once, almost as quickly as the reader is perusing this page. There was no sign of hesitation. Other books were placed in front of him, some with large print and some with small. He read them all. Bucks continued to impress the council with similar feats. His blindfolding method was key to his abilities. Bucks wouldn't allow a bag to simply be placed over his head. According to Price, this was because Bucks claimed that he, quote, sees through or by means of his nostrils. This explained why his nose was always in the clear. It sounds a bit absurd, but Romaine's postulated a similar notion regarding Isla's sight, as Price explained. Romaine states it is necessary to leave the nostrils free in order that his blindfolded or blinded subjects shall distinguish colors. He says that the nasal mucosa is sensitive to light and to different colored regions of the spectrum. This function is sharply distinct from smell. He continues, the part played by the nasal mucosa leads us to the following question. Is the unknown organ of the extraretinal vision situated in one part of the body? Localized in a single one or diffused through many? Kudabox answers that, in this case, the unknown organ is situated in his nose. Despite that, Price and his team concluded that Bucks was an extraordinary showman, but did not possess x-ray vision. During our test, Bucks would not allow us to adopt measures that absolutely precluded his seeing down the sides of his nostrils, and, although we witnessed a clever performance, all we learned that afternoon was how extremely difficult it is to blindfold a person using ordinary methods, Price wrote. Regardless of Price's conclusion, Bucks continued to perform his x-ray feats for audiences. However, three years later, at a demonstration with 300 people at a hotel, he was offered $10,000 if he could read with an ordinary bag over his head. The offer was made by Joseph Dunninger, a magician and president of the Universal Council for Psychical Research. Bucks declined, saying his soul only provided for this power to read through obstacles if it were done his way. The show went on, and Bucks prepared his blindfolds in his usual fashion, which on this occasion included napkins from the hotel. He then read words on a blackboard from newspapers and more. The audience was amazed. Yet, as a newspaper article describes it, quote, But always the nose of Kuda Bucks stuck out of the wrappings, and he tilted his head back in a way that might suggest to the skeptical that there was a slight gap in the dough down the left side of his nose through which he might be reading. A reporter asked if he could read a card he placed inside a napkin, one just like Bucks had used in his blindfolding. No, the napkins must be in contact with my body, the magician replied. He ended the demonstration and removed the bandages, dough, and napkins. The curious reporter grabbed one of the discarded napkins and pressed it to Bucks's head. I place it in contact with your forehead, the journalist said. There's no dough in the way now, only one of the several napkins through which you read before. Can you read the name of the bank in this blank check that I take out of my pocket? Buck said he could not. The show was over. A psychologist attending the performance, who had been impressed up until then, suddenly grew disappointed. My goodness, he exclaimed, then this is only some sort of sleight of hand trick. Still, it was quite a trick. Dunninger explained to a newspaper how it worked. Reading while blindfolded is more than three centuries old and has been discarded by most magicians plying professions today. It is extremely simple and can be accomplished by most persons with some practice. The reading is done down along the side of the nose, 
The depression in the eyes and the bridge of the nose allows just enough space for one to peer down at the object as held in the so-called mystic's hands. Of course, no one did it quite like Kuda Bucks did. Thanks for listening. Weird Historian is brought to you by me, Mark Hartsman. The theme song was created by Steffi Copeland. The Cuda Bucks audio clip comes from a 1938 video posted by British Pathé. This episode was edited and mixed by Igniter Media. For photos and video related to this episode's stories and other strange tales, check out my site, weirdhistorian.com, and follow at Weird Historian on Instagram. Until next time, have a weird day. <laughs>